Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Helping me break down news of the day, none other than Jordan Yule, TYT contributor, all star. Always fascinating to have his analysis. First story of the day, Fulton County deputy gets arrested by the Fulton County Sheriff's Office. Atlanta police was going to let her go even though her actions were completely against the law while in full uniform. To break this down, I have the report from the Shade Room. Here it is. It's a chart-topping song on TikTok right now. What's up, G-Way? Trouble is what's up after fists started flying at the video shoot for YB and Famous Sally. It's like she's giving obsession. The shock when the sheriff's office showed up and found one of its detention officers dressed in uniform, throwing hands. She got fired the next day, joining a list of other officers at the Fulton County Jail, let go for inappropriate behavior this year. Some of them accused of having romantic relationships with inmates. I'm Justin Carter. This is TSR Investigates. October 9th, 2023, dozens of people were outside with it, gearing up for a music video shoot for What's Up G-Way. Then Atlanta police got a phone call about a fight in progress. It was from Fulton County Jail Detention Officer Shaniqua Bodden, seen here in uniform. And that's when it got ugly. It's like she's giving obsession. This is Rayonda Wynn. She's sister to Atlanta rap artist Famous Sally. She's been having man problems lately with this woman, 30-year-old Shaniqua Bodden. It started back in August. She called my phone about an inmate. She says the inmate was somebody she used to date, and apparently Bodden was entangled with him too. That's when she says the harassing text messages started. After the text messages, she just started harassing me on Instagram, watching me from a fake page, and stated, I'm a, po- I'm a police officer. I move different. And laugh now, cry later. She says that Baden filed a temporary protection order against her and wanted to watch it being served to taunt her. Justin Carter has much more tea from the shade room. What I appreciate about this story is that it goes into the nuances of what happened prior, what happened during, and what happened afterwards. There's more. Here it is. I got to my sister video shoot around seven o'clock. Was she invited to that video shoot or did she just show up because she knew you would be there? She just showed up because she knew I would be there. She was walking up to me with the papers in my hand, putting the papers in my face. And I said, B, get the papers out of my face. And I spit on her. She spit back on me. That's when the officer put me in handcuffs. That part wasn't recorded, but this part was. He put me in the because she's trying to hit me. That's when my daughter came and hit her. You can see an Atlanta police officer placing Wynn in handcuffs and taking her away. From this view, Baden was seen smirking, walking behind them. So the police officer, excuse me, corrections officer, is laughing at the fact that she has created a cause and effect that has led to the arrest of the individual whom she had beef with, but she wasn't laughing long, here it is. 
But Baden was not laughing for long. As more officers arrived, including a chief deputy for the sheriff's department, they arrested her, too, for disorderly conduct. The sheriff's office sent me this statement saying, quote, detention officer Shaniqua Baden was terminated after she was involved in a physical altercation with another woman. She's been employed with the Fulton County Sheriff's Office since March 15th, 2023, and was a probationary employee. All right, let's put up the picture full mass. Hell of a thing. So the Fulton County Sheriff's Office, once again, uh, in the news. And I will say this, the individual with the uniform on is the criminal here, or the one who has been criminally charged, the person. On the other side, well, that is the local celebrity doing a video shoot at her job. The officer decided to come there to serve an order from the court, even though she is party in the suit itself. That is illegal, that is against the law. You cannot do both. You cannot be in the litigation and serve the litigation. Now, here's the ironic thing about this. The sheriff's office did the right thing, APD. The Atlanta Police Department, who initially responded, they arrested Ms. Wynn rather than the officer. It wasn't until the sheriff's department came to the scene after that smirk on the face of the corrections officer, they decided to arrest her as well. I do expect there to be a lawsuit given the nuances of this case. Naturally, that jail officer has been fired. But this goes to that I can do whatever I want to do because I'm the police attitude. It's a cultural thing. The rules clearly say you can't do this. The rules are in place. The policy is prevalent. It says you're not allowed to do A, B, and C. But there's a violation of policy. Why? Because of how those first officers responded. The first officers were only willing to arrest the victim of this insanity, but not arrest the corrections officer who had no business being at that place of employment at all. But when the sheriff's office showed up, they enacted the arrest there. You see, this is about as close as you're going to get right now to an officer being arrested in real time. Remember when I said, I'm looking for the day when an officer will commit a crime and the officer next to that officer will say, put your hands behind your back. You are under arrest. We shall see the development as it continues. As I said, I expect a lawsuit. The attorney that Ms. Wynn has been able to retain is a former prosecutor. Turn defense attorney, promise you she knows all the rules. All right, Jordan, thoughts here. This story, I'm glad you pointed it out because the original source seemed to just gloss over the fact that she was, you know, party in it and also tried to serve the order, which is just absurd. I, I, I was so confused by that. So thank you for pointing that out. This reminds me, like her behavior really reminds me of. You know, like a mall security guard or, you know, a loss prevention officer at a store, like really taking that badge a bit too seriously. I mean, she was a corrections officer. She's wearing her uniform to go to a music video shoot. Like, what are we doing here? Come on, let's let everyone relax. Just trying to cosplay as a cop and ends up just getting instant karma, which I did find enjoyable. But what truly ludicrous story. Yeah. And she was a probationary. 
corrections officer. <laughs> I mean, damn, man. Ma'am, you could not make it through your 90 days without doing something like that. All right, big ups to the shade room. Did a great job on that reporting as they always do. All right, hell of a thing. Okay, we saw this. We wanted to report on it. We needed more background, more information. Um, Alabama cop beats a handcuffed man. Here's the video. Record him, sir. 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 He's fighting me. Record him. Record him. Record him. Record him. The man was in handcuffs. This was initially a traffic stop. Put up the picture for a mask. Let me give you the background to what you just saw. Officer Kelliger, a Mobile, Alabama police officer, has now been placed on administrative leave. And an investigation is underway at the video shows the officer brutalizing a handcuffed man. This was during an arrest last week, according to the report. The incident began as a traffic stop last Thursday when the officer and his partner stopped a vehicle driven by a 36-year-old named Beezer Earl DeBose Jr., which the officers allege he was speeding. Officers on the scene, according to their report, detected the smell of marijuana and told both the driver and the passenger to exit the vehicle. Although police have not confirmed, it's presumed Mr. DeBose is the man seen in the video with the officer since the unidentified passenger was not taken into custody. Initial court filings say that as he was being placed under arrest by Mobile Officer Paul Caligari, DeBose grabbed the officer's testicles and penis and twisted them, causing serious physical pain, end quote. DeBose was taken to a Mobile Metro jail and later released after posting a bond for 16,800 bucks. Um, let's put up leadership here. So you have the Mobile uh, Chief of Staff, James Barber, told the City Council Tuesday, the Department of Justice and the FBI have been both notified of an incident. A statement from Mobile Police Chief, uh, police said the Office of Professional Responsibility is conducting a thorough examination from all aspects of the case. So the cop was placed on administrative leave as the FBI, Department of Justice, and the Office of Professional Responsibility conduct their investigations of the incident. Um, Paul Prine is the chief of police. Now, I got to tell you, this happened when? Last Thursday. They said, this is what the spokesperson said. We have informed the Department of Justice. We 
have informed the FBI. Now for them, for those individuals to do so, well, that's a rarity. Uh, typically, one, it takes longer. Number two, there's usually a prying by the DOJ before there's this um, acceptance or before they acquiesce to the uh, federal intrusion, as they typically call it. But this is different. Now, what is the spin here? The spin is, well, the officer did it because the suspect grabbed him in the private parts. Come on, man. Come on. That's justification for beating a man while he's handcuffed. I don't understand why that was even presented as a possible defense here. But that's what's on the record so far. Uh, the cop has been suspended. Obviously, we believe that cops should be arrested, should have been arrested on the spot. Uh, the individual was handcuffed. I don't give a damn why you pulled him over. I don't give a damn how much marijuana he had in the car, if he had any at all. Doesn't matter to me. What matters is the individual is not treated with the decency, respect, and constitutional rights he already has. He has them. They belong to him. For you to take them away is illegal. You cannot be the enforcer of law and be the breaker of it at the same time. We should hold you to a higher standard of responsibility. Here's what we know for sure. The individual you had handcuffed, he took no oath to protect and serve. He takes no taxpayer dollar to protect the community at large, but you do. All right, Jordan, thoughts here? Yeah, I think this is interesting that a police department would preemptively flag this. Usually there's, yeah. like you're saying, an investigation, uh, you know, the, the Civil Rights Division will get involved, but that a police department did this on their own. And like you pointed out, within that shortened time frame is shocking. We've seen over the years how police departments and police unions specifically will obfuscate and obstruct investigations into bad behavior by police. That's one of the biggest problems in the police accountability movement because they try to take extended timelines to get everyone on the same page, get their story straight, and then provide yep. a report for their internal investigation. I don't know what the incentive to you know, create a culture where more police departments do this. I don't know what that incentive would be, but identifying one and employing one, maybe through the, the DOJ, could be a good start. You know, obviously there's still many, many problems that remain in police culture, but that we're seeing this, I think, is a, a byproduct of people speaking up, yep. demonstrating over the years, and you know, depending on which presidential administration. Tough actions by the DOJ and especially the Civil Rights Division. So it looks like maybe some progress is being made. I'm not saying we're in a perfect utopian world yet, but this is new. I was surprised by this. Yeah, same here. Very surprised by the swift action, surprised by the um, invitation for the FBI to investigate. Uh, and we shall see what three agencies investigating, while all three agencies come to the same conclusion about what I see as criminal action via the police. We will update as the story develops. A school teacher, another school teacher decides to duct tape, well, one of her students. Put up the picture for a mass. We've reported on multiple stories like this in the past. It seems as if educators who do not want to educate continue to act in this fashion. When are they going to get it? 
43-year-old Cassandra Sisler of Terra Alta, West Virginia, a Preston County teacher, has now been charged after a student reported four incidents of abuse involving duct tape that took place in the middle of class. According to a criminal complaint on October 13th, troopers with the Preston County Detachment of the West Virginia State Police met with the Preston County Prosecutor's Office. This was about child abuse and a case that was reported against the teacher. On the WV Education Association website, the educator is listed as the president of the Preston County chapter of the organization and as a teacher at West Preston Middle School. However, According to the Preston County Board of Education, Ms. Sisler was a teacher at a central Preston Middle School during the time of the incidents were alleged to have happened. During the course of the investigation, the child stated that his teacher, whom he identified as Sisler, quote, put duct tape over his mouth from ear to ear on October 2nd in the middle of the classroom. And after he took the tape off, his mouth and his lips were sore. Troopers Stated on October 3rd, the complaint alleges that this teacher put duct tape over the juvenile's mouth from ear to ear in the middle of class on October 4th. Sisler, once again, is alleged to have duct taped the child's mouth from ear to ear and also grabbed his hand and wrapped his wrist in duct, uh, in duct tape, according to the complaint. Additionally, the juvenile stated that on October 5th, the teacher got stronger tape, stronger than duct tape, got stronger tape and wrapped it around his head, over his mouth, and onto his shoulder, troopers said. The teacher has been charged with four counts of child abuse. She is now out on a $10,000 bond per charge. That's a total of $40,000. I put up the superintendent, buck stops with him. You're looking at Superintendent Brad Martin. He said, and I quote, he cannot comment on the employment status of Sisler at this time, but did state that the Board of Education contacted the appropriate authorities and are cooperating and taking all necessary actions while the situation is being investigated. So I'm going to say this. It took a student, a child. A young child speaking up, saying something in order for action to happen. Now, remember, according to the allegation, this happened in the middle of class. If an educator is so comfortable that they're willing to duct tape a child in the middle of class in front of others with no issue, do you believe it is the first time this educator has done something like this? I don't. I don't. I don't believe. No one knew about what this teacher did prior to it happening. I believe people were aware, and I believe that there are more victims in her history. So this is the moment where school system, if it's willing to be transparent, they go and do an exhaustive background investigation. They ask the right questions. They offer an opportunity for parents to engage their children. Engage your children, ask them, did this teacher, the one that we put the picture up on the county website, did she 
violate your child? If so, contact us. You can do that. The rules allow it. It's time for us to have advocates for children inside of spaces where children must trust advocates. All right, Jordan, thoughts here. This is horrifying. You set this kid back probably years by traumatizing them, by you know, stigmatizing education for them at large. I mean, this is somebody, if, if the kid was misbehaving, if the kid couldn't focus in class, if the kid was talking and interrupting, there are plenty of remedies to help that kid, you know, work through those issues or focus, find focus, or maybe a different classroom, a different setting, a different teacher could help them. I mean, this is, this is really tragic. We, I, I just don't I don't understand how somebody could do that if you're in that profession. You know what you're doing. You know who you're dealing with. You're dealing with children. Their brains are not fully developed. <laughs> what, what was your ideal outcome here? I'm just so mystified by this. And I feel bad for the kid. I hope they find joy in learning uh, soon, uh, maybe immediately through a different teacher, a different classroom, a different school, something. But there's just so many variables here that could create negative long-term consequences for this kid who it was not you know, again their brain is not fully formed what are we doing that's right it's so sad it's really sad um as a college professor i'm dealing with adults right some of them are young adults at 18 but they're adults and my true north is my job is not to make your life more difficult my job is to help make your life much easier so that you are educated, equipped, well-established, and on your way to perform in this world. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Always good to be with you. Let me give a big thank you to you, to every single one of you who are supportive of Platforms of Truth. Because of your support, this year, Indisputable, yours truly. Well, we're being honored. Honored how? Well, there you go. That's the honor. I'm very thankful. The annual Multicultural Media Correspondence Dinner. I'm being honored with their fifth estate new media honoree award. Very thankful for the opportunity to engage and to be an honoree. Naturally, this means absolutely nothing without you all. All right. Um, thank you to the Correspondence Association, Multicultural Media Correspondence Association, NBC Universal, Comcast, the BIPOC Exchange, and Democracy Fund. Thank you so much for the opportunity. All right. It's a lot of comments on the agenda. I'll read as many as I can. Tommy Traverthen, uh, damn the petty is real, talking about the um, officer. Okay. And Devil Dog Dragon. I would like to know why is uh, why beatdown is required for a traffic stop. This is absolute BS. Yep. Anna Giddings, is it me or does Alabama law enforcement manage to be in every other story? Damn near. If you average it out. Yeah. And uh, I think this is Ryaz, uh, gifted a membership by the Jack. Thank you so much. YouTube, Mojo underscore quid. 
I wish Alabama wasn't embarrassing us residents every time it's in the news. And Alabama's a very nice place. Um, I go there often, actually. It's unfortunate you have these negative bad apples. All right, and also, teacher, yep. LV18 white girl, let me guess it was a black kid. Um, Ironically, details are lacking. We will bring you updates as they develop with that story, okay? All right, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell there's an African American man threatening my life. Yeah. I'm waiting for somebody, Lieutenant. Well, I've given instructions to the management company mm-hmm. that I don't want okay. anything changed on my air conditioner or my heater. I'm not here for your apartment. Good. I'm in apartment 221. Okay. It's on the first floor above the ground floor, even though it says 221. Okay. And I've made that very clear to police and to other authorities. Okay. Have a good day. Stop stalking USA English speaking people. USA? Yes, United States of America. Okay. I was born and raised here too. I'm not stalking you, sir. You're stalking me. I, like I said, I'm waiting for a tenant. I don't believe you. Yo, my first 2023 Karen, bro. <laughs> I'm waiting for a tenant. She, she, on the, she on the phone calling a cop over. Yeah, put it up full mass. Okay, so according to the poster here, it says the apartment Karen accuses the building maintenance worker of stalking her along with USA English speaking people and apparently threatening her with performing unneeded repairs. Unneeded repairs. The man was simply waiting to do repairs for another tenant and gets harassed by um, this one. So I want to highlight um, the calm and the cool of this employee. Because he did not engage in an unnecessary back and forth. He did not become <clears throat> combative. He did not even get angry uh, when the individual said something that was seemingly bigoted about USA and English speaking. He just politely said, I was, I was born and raised here myself, ma'am. Uh, we appreciate individuals like this. Uh, there's more than one way to disarm Karenicity in this world. All right, big ups to you for doing so, sir. All right, Jordan, thoughts here? Yeah, I think that this is the best way to handle it. Just de-escalate, kind of roll your eyes, laugh, walk away. Don't, don't try to argue. You don't try to, you know, fight back. I think this moments like this, this is a perfect example. She also seemed like someone who was not in the best headspace, based on what her perceived issue was or her grievance was this is somebody who probably needs help um doesn't justify the USA English speaking people comment at all uh it just additionally it also does seem like she she has some issues that hopefully will be resolved or addressed soon yeah as i said the young man handled it quite well regardless of what his perception of the situation was he did a good job All right, 
Well, the police, well, they tried to get out of serving time for murder. That did not work out. Let's put up the picture for a mask. I will explain it to you. Um, for the first time, the cop who murdered Cameron Lamb finally sees jail time. So Eric Davacanari, uh, Davacanare, the Kansas City police officer who fatally shot Cameron Lamb is finally seeing jail time. So if you remember this cop, uh, he's a piece of work. He's seeing jail time after a denied appeal to overturn his guilty conviction. So the officer was sentenced to only six years in prison after being found guilty of second degree manslaughter and armed criminal action in 2021. But after a judge granted him an appeal bond, he was allowed to remain free from prison while the appeals process was ongoing. The process took nearly two years and was finalized this week, determining his conviction stands. All right. So this cop who had served with the Kansas City Police Department since 1999 was the first white Kansas City officer to be convicted of killing a black man. Not the first one to do it. But the first one to be convicted of doing it is believed that his trial was the first for a KCPD officer who killed someone in the line of duty since 1942. Lamb was shot in a pickup truck on his own property by the cop. The father of three had been tracked to the property after police helicopter observed him chasing his girlfriend as he sped away, uh, as she sped away from him and her Mustang. When officers Officers arrived at Lamb's home. The officer testified that another officer, a detective named Troy Schwamm, commanded Lamb to step out of the vehicle. The detective recalled that Lamb's hand was splayed out over the steering wheel. So the officer claimed that he saw Lamb starting to raise a gun toward the detective. So he shot Mr. Lamb in order to save. The detective's life. What a noble piece of sh. Neither Lamb nor the detective fired a weapon. There are conflicting accounts over whether Lamb even had a weapon, which was central, a central part of the controversy for prosecutors during the officer's trial. Some officers testified to seeing a gun, but others said they never saw a gun at the scene, including the detective that he says he was just trying to save. There's more. According to the ruling, the officer could not sufficiently challenge the trial court's verdict in his case. The judges called on his points on appeal a jumbled argument after he attempted to dispute the trial court's conclusion that the shooting was not justified. The officer argues that he cannot be convicted of armed criminal action if his conviction for involuntary manslaughter was in error because the officer has failed to establish error with respect to his conviction for involuntary manslaughter. His arguments regarding his armed criminal action conviction also failed, the ruling reads. The officer also apparently argued that he acted with criminal negligence in order to downgrade his manslaughter charge. Nice try, no cigar. The appeals judge or judges stated that his behavior on the day of the shooting conflicted with his training and many KCPD policies and that evidence, including the officer's own testimony, showed that he intended to fire his gun 
and shoot Mr. Lamb. Now, I want you to understand the irony of this. The appeals court is saying, listen, you basically messed yourself up by all of these dumbass arguments in the appeal. It's jumbled. And you're contradicting yourself based on the appeal motion. In addition to that, you decided to take the stand. You didn't have to, you have the right to remain silent. And because of your own testimony on the stand, you have convicted yourself away from the appeal that you thought you would get remedy from. Lamb's family, who had been waiting years to learn of this cop's fate, celebrated the court's decision. Quote, I could not believe it. However, I felt like we finally got the answer that we were gonna get Laurie Bay Lamb's mother. So KSHB 41 News. We don't want to see nobody who's so instrumental in the protection and the livelihood of their family taken away, especially a father. But we also don't want to see nobody that so blatantly breaks the law and think they're not going to be held accountable. Aquil Bay Lamb's father said, let's put up the picture of the beautiful family. Remember, when they decide to eliminate the life of a human being, it's not just that life they affect. This man had a beautiful family during the appeals process. The officer was backed by state officials like the Kansas Attorney General. There were several reports indicating that Governor Mike Parson was considering granting the cop clemency, which Parson denies. When one of the most conservative appellate court panels upholds the conviction of a police officer despite the unethical and unlawful interference of the Missouri Attorney General, a clear message has been sent. The officer is guilty of the homicide of Cameron Lamb. We eagerly await for the moment when this officer is taken into custody and treated like any other convicted felon in Jackson County. One violent KCPD officer down, minute to go. Steve Young, founder of the Kansas City Law Enforcement Accountability Project of KC said, I agree with you, sir. One down, minute to go. One of the most conservative courts you will find in any jurisdiction upheld the conviction. Now remember, This man was granted bond after being convicted of murdering a person while being on duty. He was convicted of it. They said he did it. Appeal, your honor. All right, no problem. Um, Release on bond uh, pending outcome of the appeal. So this man has been convicted by the processes of the judicial system. He was in uniform when he did it. The fact finders of the case said the man committed homicide. He has to go to prison. He files an appeal. He gets out. What do you think that says to the family? The family assumed the fix was in. So this ruling was a surprise to the family. But the actions of the cop, the actions were so egregious, even though politics came into play, the attorney general basically illegally inserted himself into this investigation. That came into play. With all of that, these judges were able to back away from the politics, rule on the facts, and put a killing cop inside of prison. All right, Jordan, thoughts here. This is rare, unfortunately, yeah. that we even see this outcome, and it's you know confusing and disorienting with how we got to this point. It's a good thing for sure, and I think you really got to underscore that quote. 
we're talking about one of you know one of the most conservative appeals courts there, and that this is the outcome there shows just how guilty this this cop was. So I I'm, I feel bad for the family that they had to endure years of this lengthy legal proceedings, all of these different maneuvers. I'm sure they're relieved to an extent, but nothing brings your family member back. You know, nothing nothing can solve or fix the problem. But I, I'm happy for them. I hope they find justice. I hope they feel like they have found justice and maybe any additional remedy uh, as applicable. But man, nobody should have to deal with that. Nobody should certainly have to deal with this lengthy, drawn out court process as cops try to cover for each other or the government steps in to try to cover for the cops. That's just, that has to be infuriating if you're in that situation. Yeah. And listen, I mean, the way the judicial system is orchestrated, you could be convicted of taking a human being's life, file an appeal, and get out on bond for years after conviction. You get convicted of theft, misdemeanor theft, file an appeal, you stay in jail pending the outcome of the appeal. You don't get to go home. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Always good to be with you. Okay, Capricit Cancer Moon. Amazing how the stalky confronts the stalker instead of getting her ass in the apartment. That is interesting, right? Like when people say, hey, I'm afraid of this person, but they never really act as if they are actually afraid of that person. Okay. Lori Parks, the governor said that he was going to party him if he is convicted. Damn sure did. Everybody knows what the governor did. He threw the red meat out, tried to preempt the actual conviction. I mean, the politics were strong in this case. So thank you for reminding all of us. The governor was about that action at that time. All right. Uh, the Jack, thank you so much. Karen's think they're all uh, TNs. Uh, Mike Nice, hopefully he won't be the last one to be convicted. That's right. Uh, Winston 121880, the AC repair guy was pretty chill. He was pretty chill. Yeah. Big ups to him for that. And uh, the cop. So the cop looks like an older version of Kyle Rittenhouse crying on the stand. And they all typically do, though. All right. Hell of a thing. So an interview turned into a good debate between Jank. And Abrams, uh, here it is. Liberal firebrand Cenk Uger, he's the founder and host of the Young Turks. He's also running for the Democratic presidential nomination in 2024 now. Cenk, thanks very much for coming on the program, appreciate it. All right, so what do you think I or Brian Stelter am getting wrong? Uh, yeah, a lot, um, sorry, but, uh, but that's my take on it. So first of all, I think uh, number one way you don't allow journalists into an area, um, that's kind of on you. Uh, so I, I'm not going to take anyone's word for it when they don't allow journalists into the area. And Israel has already killed a number of journalists, including a Reuters journalist. And I'm sure that every killing is, of course, an accident, including when they bombed a bus 
full of people, what, 70 people died, I believe, on that convoy where that they had asked them to leave. The UN has said that they bombed schools, etc. So you've got one incident where it is not Let's not do a hit and run. Let's not do a hit and run here. Let's let's take a little bit about what you just said. First of all, the 70, there is a huge dispute about what happened there and that it may have not been Israel at all. That it, oh, that this, it's never that, Israel. That, that, no, no, I know, I know, I know. You never want to believe. I know, I know. It's not possible. I know it's not possible that it would be the terrorists. I get it. That they're trying to prevent people from going no, it's south. Not it's not possible, possible that it would be the occupiers, right? No, it is possible. Of course, it's possible. It's yeah. possible to be Israel. But I would think, Cenk, you'd care about evidence. And you made the point that they don't have anyone on the ground. So satellite images, nope, can't use yeah. it. Surveillance, can't use it. None of it is valid, right? Nothing. No, 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 no. So let me be clear. And thank you for asking for the clarification. So on the hospital, it is now in doubt. And the US intelligence has not reached a firm conclusion. But I understand the evidence that you presented. And it is entirely possible that in this case that it was not the idea. So I'm not arguing that case. What I'm arguing is Isn't Israel a- here has already killed about 3,000 civilians. Wait, hang so on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hold on, hold on. I gotta, I gotta ask you about that. Where are you getting that number from? You're getting it from Hamas. Where's and that number the coming Nations from? And everyone who has access no. to it, they are trying to confirm it. But Dan, what difference does it make if it's 2,900 or 3,000? Are you pretending that Israel isn't dropping massive no. bombs inside well, Gaza? No, what I'm are doing you pretending is saying- they haven't tried to move a million people? Are you pretending that they're not bombing the living crap out of Gaza right not now? Not yet. Because please they're, don't they're, pretend they're, that. They're, they're about to, but they've begun. You're right, there's no doubt that there have been civilian deaths in, in Gaza. The first casualty of war is truth. You see, we contextualize this argument of Israeli and Palestinian dynamics based upon two factions. When the reality is there's an originating circumstance that gets eliminated from the argument, not even part of the discussion. Now, I do believe Jenk is correct on the narrative dynamic associated with this, but historical context is required. 1917 is your historical context because in 1917, something happened that was unprecedented. The European world decided, well, to back a 67 word document called the Balfour Declaration. Put up Mr. Balfour. Mr. Balfour and also a man named Lionel Walter Rothschild at the center of the debate. They get left out of this. I'm about to put these gentlemen squarely where they belong. The Balfour Declaration, which resulted in a significant upheaval in the lives of Palestinians was issued on November 2nd, 1917. The declaration aimed to establish a Jewish state in Palestine into a reality when Britain publicly pledged to establish a national home for the Jewish people there. The pledge is generally viewed as one of the main catalysts of the Nakba, the ethnic cleansing of Palestine in 1948 and the conflict that ensued. It is regarded as one of the most controversial and contested documents in the modern history of the world and has puzzled historians for decades. Balfour Declaration, which means promise in Arabic, all right, was a public pledge 
by Britain in 1917, declaring its aim to establish a national home for the Jewish people in Palestine. That is a fact. The statement came in the form of a letter from Britain's then Foreign Secretary, Arthur Balfour, addressed to Lionel W. Rothschild. It was made during World War I. This was 1914 to 1918 and was included in the terms of the British mandate for Palestine after the dissolution of the Ottoman Empire. The so-called mandate system set up by the Allied powers was a thinly veiled form of colonization and occupation. They colonized, forced colonization. The system transferred rule from the territories that were previously controlled by the powers defeated in the war. Germany, Austria-Hungary, the Ottoman Empire, and Bulgaria to the victors. The declared aim of the mandate system was to allow the winners to administer the newly emerging states until they could be independent. That was the first proclamation. The document was controversial for multiple reasons. Number one, it was in the words of the late Palestinian American academic Edward Said, made by European power about a non-European territory in a flat disregard of both the present and the wishes of the native majority resident in that territory. In essence, the Balfour Declaration promised Jews a land where the natives made up more than 90% of the population. There's much more history connected to that, which also includes how Palestinians attempting to boycott this invasion eventually economically withdrew from the ecosystem of economy of Jewish made things, Jewish grown food. The British came in and did a mass incarceration, arrested them by the thousand when they enacted these, well, policies to create more equity in their system. And then on the other side of that, you have this force that is enforcing their rule of law. There's no diplomacy here. There's no opportunity to engage thoughtfully. There's our way or no way. So when we talk about this conflict, understand war is never necessary. War is here because of the permeation of evil that exists inside of us as human beings. That's the reason it's here. So don't accept their framework that it is necessary. War is not a necessary reality of our living. It is a reality that is before us, but it is not a necessary one. So if we ever argue only inside of the framework of war, we've already lost the battle. Because outside of that, we are able to actually live peacefully. There are no, no winners in war. Why do you think the majority of the people of Israel are against war? Why do you think the majority of the people of Israel are against Netanyahu? So when you stand for the Israelis, stand for the ones that wake up every morning, going to work, making money to pay a mortgage, to put food on the table, because the vast majority of them are against the leadership that presently states that they speak for everybody. So I stand with Israel for real. 
I stand with Palestinians for real. I stand with humanity for real. All right, Jordan, thoughts here. What we're seeing in Gaza is more often than not, especially in Western press, the complete removal of the humanity in the situation. It is talked about in broad strokes. It's talking, it's talked about in abstract terms. And people, civilians who are killed, are reduced to statistics. And when there is a push for a ceasefire, it's met with including some Democratic members of Congress, opposition, rebuttal. You had John Fetterman last night tweet out that this is not the time to call for a ceasefire. Thousands of people in Gaza have already died. Thousands, many of whom, if not the majority of whom, had nothing to do with this to begin with. And you provided this historical context for this conflict, which is important and almost always lacking in most analysis of the current situation. But any and you mentioned economic boycotts, you know, it is a crime. It is illegal in over a dozen states in the US to participate in economic boycotts of Israel. One of the most peaceful ways to demonstrate your your stance or take a stand on something. No one gets hurt. You can't do that in many states in this country. The UN uh it just yesterday tried to pass a resolution calling for a pause to allow in humanitarian aid in the United States using its veto power as one of five permanent members of the UN Security Council vetoed it. Had they not done that, it would have passed. And it's moments like this that makes people feel really frustrated and powerless because nobody wants to see suffering on, on either side. Obviously, all any rational person who sees this is not celebrating the death of innocent civilians. But when you have a superpower like the United States stepping in to block a UN proposal to call for a pause so we can get humanitarian aid in, it shows you what their motive really is. And this didn't start with Hamas's attack on Israel a week and a half ago. It did not start there. And if that is the starting point for any conversation, it's not worth your time. So I, I implore people to educate yourselves, to consume reporting and analysis and historical context on this conflict, because it's it, everyone will be better off. And centering in all of this, a push for the humanitarian cause, for a ceasefire. I set up a site, you can go to ceasefiretoday.com. You can, in 30 seconds, email your representative and your senators. And there's also a call script on that website that allows you to click one button, be connected to the Capitol switchboard, and you can call your representative and senators and ask them to say, support a ceasefire in Gaza so that no more innocent people get killed. So very well said. And when America made that decision to utilize the awesome power of veto, which is insane, to allow aid to come to civilians, but we say from the microphone, we want innocent life protected. Literally, the president just said this. But then we vote contrary to that proclamation. This is supposed to be a representative form of government. The vast majority of people in America are for that action, the ceasefire, making sure people, innocent folk, get aid that they need. How, how are we a representative form of government when our representatives 
uh, adversarial and antithetical to our form of government. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stack. All right, welcome back. We have an update on an incident. Leonard Cures, body cam footage release. Here it is. Sir, tickets in the state of Georgia are criminal offenses. I don't have a ticket in Georgia. You do now? Why? You passed me doing 100 miles an hour. Hands behind your back. Yes, you're going to jail. Hands behind your back. Put your hands behind your back. show you the interaction before that encounter. Step out. Step out. Get out. Get out. Put your hands back here. I ain't doing it. Put your damn hands back here. Who are you? Staff Sergeant Old Sheriff's Office. My name is Al Wayne. I don't care. Step to the rear of this vehicle. In the name of who? In the name of the law of the state of Georgia. Step back here. Now you're getting tased. I'm going. Watch me now. Put your hands on the back of that truck. Do you see that? Put your hands on the back of that truck. The back of the truck. Both hands. Turn around. 34 Kim, send me another unit. One non-compliant. Staff Sergeant Aldridge with the Camden County Sheriff's Office. Who County? Camden County. Put your hand behind your back. Do I have a Do I have a warrant? Wait, wait. No, 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 no. Excuse me. Excuse me. Either put your hands behind your back, or you're getting tased. I'm telling you that right now. Why am I getting tased? Because you are under arrest for speeding and reckless driving. I'm not driving. Nobody was hurt. How was I speeding? You passed me doing 100 miles an hour. Okay, so that's a speeding ticket, right? Sir, tickets in the state of Georgia are criminal offenses. I don't have a ticket in Georgia. You do now? Why? You passed me doing 100 okay, miles an hour. And what? Am I going Hands to behind your back. Yes, you are going no. to jail. Hands behind your back. Put up the picture full mass. I will give you the background and the foreground. Dash cam and body cam footage of the Camden County Georgia Sheriff's deputy who fatally shot 53-year-old Leonard Cure at point blank range during a traffic stop was released by the sheriff's office yesterday. The footage shows Mr. Cure who had been wrongfully imprisoned for 16 years of his life. Wrongfully imprisoned for 16 years of his life. Grabbed the officer by the neck, forcing his head backward. 
when the two entered into a scuffle right after the deputy tased him. The family of Mr. Cure, who reviewed the footage before its release, suspect that Mr. Cure resisted arrest because of psychological trauma from being wrongfully imprisoned for 16 years of his natural life. He was imprisoned in Florida for an armed robbery that he never committed. Per the AP, Michael Cure said of his slain brother, quote, I believe there were possibly some mental issues with my brother. The office just triggered him. The officer just triggered him, undoubtedly triggered him. It was excitement met with excitement. I want you to understand the wrongful conviction that took place with Mr. Cure. He was wrongfully convicted of armed robbery in 2004. It changed him. It's called atmospheric psychological trauma. He was wrongfully convicted in 2004. He was sentenced to life in prison for that wrongful conviction in the state of Florida. But authorities reviewed his case. In 2020, after the authorities reviewed his case, they concluded he never committed that crime. He was an innocent man. He was wrongfully convicted. He was released three years ago. Cure's mother and brothers said he lived in constant fear of being arrested and incarcerated wrongfully again. When Mr. Cure was wrongfully imprisoned, the Innocence Project of Florida persuaded a case, a case review unit of the Broward County Prosecutor's Office to look into the case. That unit examined an ATM receipt and other evidence that Cure was miles away from the robbery. It was no way possible for him to commit it. A judge looked at that same evidence, agreed, and vacated the conviction. Camden County Sheriff Jim Proctor released footage. Two days after the incident occurred Monday morning, the sheriff has placed a deputy whose name has not been released on administrative leave during a review by the GBI, which is customary for Georgia for law enforcement involved shootings. What was the reason for the traffic stop? Uh, the deputy, who you can tell is a white male, pulled over Mr. Cure because Cure's pickup or pickup truck on suspicion of driving recklessly. This was on Interstate 95, a few miles north of the Georgia Florida line. Mr. Cure had been visiting his mother in Florida and was returning to a home he bought recently in Metro Atlanta. Camden is located right, is in Georgia, but located right on the border of Florida. So when you come north in Florida, you go to Camden, you go up to middle Georgia, then you hit Atlanta, okay? It's a long drive. He was making that drive. Let's put him up. The GBI will send findings to the Brunswick Judicial Circuit DA Keith Higgins, who will determine whether to seek charges, okay? Um, Higgins reportedly met with Cure's family after the video was released, but the prosecutor's spokeswoman said he would not make a final decision until the bureau concludes its investigation. After viewing the video, Cure's relatives believe shooting him was unnecessary and civil rights attorney being prompt was representing the family, blamed the deputy for acting aggressively from the start, never attempting to de-escalate as his training requires. Seth Miller is the director of the Innocence Project of Florida, who knew Mr. Cure, said Wednesday, quote, he is someone that was failed by the system once, and he, was, he has again been failed by the system. 
He's been twice taken away from his family. Miller said that for so many of his clients, including Mr. Cure, the biggest fear is that an officer will knock on their door or stop them while they're driving without cause for something they did not do. Send them back right where they worked so hard to get out of. I can only imagine what must have been, that must have been what he was thinking during this traffic stop, Miller said. You know Miller is right. You know he's right. Regardless of what you think about the deputy's action, you know what this man just said is correct. You know what the family said is correct. If somebody took away your freedom illegally, 16 years, and the authorities say, oops, my bad. You get out, and then you are pulled over by someone in that same uniform. I'm providing context because Mr. Cure deserves it. He's dead, all right? Mr. Cure is dead, he's not coming back. But his full story deserves to be on the record. Jordan, thoughts? Is this idea in this country that our judicial system is fair and impartial and cautious and careful. And that is what people are taught. That's what we are supposed to assume. But as this demonstrates, especially if you are black in this country, it is reckless, it is dangerous, it is racist, it is sloppy. And knowing that and seeing that and him having lived that experience, being wrongfully accused and imprisoned for 16 years of his life, having a large portion of his life and freedom stolen from him. You are not surprised when you see him react that way, because why should he believe that a police officer who immediately acts aggressive toward him for a speeding ticket, a potential speeding ticket, why would he believe that this would be anything different than the racist, sloppy, and reckless judicial system he has come to experience. Yeah. I get it. I, I feel terrible for his family, but this is the quintessential American judicial and police experience for far too many people in this country. Yeah. All right. We will bring you updates as um, the DA makes a decision on if the officer will be charged. There's a man who unleashed a dog to threaten a delivery woman, all right? Uh, this happened a minute ago. We're still trying to get more information, but I'm taking you to the video. Here it is. I'm trying to do a delivery, sir, and he won't grab his pit bull dog. I can't get out to do the delivery because this You're racist lying, man, lying. right? All I did was ask him, to he keep coming to my car. Don't come to my car, sir. Don't come to my car. Don't come to my car. I'm not on your property. That's your prop. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Go ahead. Please, please get away from me. You close down at me. Please get away from me. Please, I'm not in your driveway. I'm not in your driveway, sir. Please get away from me. I'm on my property. No, this is this is not. I'm on this property. Your property is over there. I'm on this property. I'm on this sir. Please get the away from my car. Please get away from my car. Please, please. please get I'll away drag from my you car. out of that car. You please. 
please get away from my car if I shoot you, please. There you go, please. Um, the woman explains um, what happened leading up to it. Here it is. Okay, so let me clarify what happened in that video. I pulled up to do a delivery. Soon as I pulled up, the dog ran up to my window and started jumping up and barking aggressively. I'm looking at the girl like, can you get your dog? She said it's not her dog. So she went in the house and she got the guy. The guy came out, he was already talking trash. He came out, I said, excuse me, sir, can you get your dog? I asked him nicely. He asked me, where's I delivering to? I said, I'm delivering to next door. He started going off because I asked him to hold his dog. The dog was aggressive. I'm not about to get out my car. But the first time I got out the car, the dog ran up to me. I'm not about to get out my car and let this dog attack me. So guy started going off. He started yelling at me. He started saying, you don't belong in this neighborhood. Go back to where you came from. He started coming up to my car. He was trying to open I'll my I'll highlight this again to remind everyone that black women are the most unprotected demographic in the United States of America. We see this kind of action happening to black women more than any other demographic. Now, why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Individuals like him, let's put up the picture for a mask. Believe that this is an opportunity, obviously, to be a bully, um, to act in a way where there's no penalty, there's no repercussion at all. The video was originally uploaded by TikToker Life with Tata, an incident appears to have happened in mid-July. It has now resurfaced. The video is going viral again. The dog appears to be an overweight boxer, not a pit bull. Either way, the human being seems to be a racist piece of you know what. And obviously, if a dog is aggressive, anyone can be in danger. Um, we say very clearly on Indisputable, we protect. We protect here, period. All right, Jordan, thoughts? I get it. I mean, my my fiance and I have a have a dog, and she's small and cute and fluffy, but she's got a intimidating bark. And when delivery people come to the house every once in a while. Driver will say, "Hey, could you get the dog?" Or I don't want to come in if there's a dog. Like, come come onto the property if there's a dog. T- totally fine. That is a normal ask. These people go to dozens, sometimes even more houses per day. They don't know your dog. They don't know the history of your dog's behavior. It's a totally reasonable request. Hey, could you just hold on to your dog for a second while I do this? Should have been accommodated. And I'm not. You know, I, I'm not really firmly in the anti-pit bull or anti-boxer or any of the dangerous breed camp, but I understand that some of them can be violent, and typically that's because of bad owners. I mean, this guy clearly seems like a bad owner. If he is acting aggressively toward a stranger, saying he's going to rip her out of her car, just further justification for her to be cautious about this dog. Yeah. Who's who, who would it harm? You just hold on to the collar for 30 seconds. Right. I, exactly. I just I feel bad for her. The solutions for them not to end up on indisputable are so simple. Like it's easy <laughs> not to be on this show, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, got another one. Trump attorney Sidney Powell pleads guilty as charged. Your Honor, put up the picture for a man's. Well, well, well. Another one bites the dust. Sidney Powell, former Trump attorney and prominent election fraud. Conspiracy theorist has pled guilty 
in the Georgia election case, the election meddling case. As part of her plea, she has admitted her role, admitted to her role in the 2021 breach of election systems, Coffee County, Georgia, allowing a group of Trump supporters to access and copy information from Georgia election systems with the help of local GOP officials to somehow prove the election was rigged against Trump. They literally committed federal crimes. Now, the DOJ can get some of this action too, because they have what's called concurrent jurisdiction. Powell will be required to testify at future trials. What does that mean? Let's say it again, she's snitching. That's what that means, she's testifying in future trials. Write an apology letter to the citizens of Georgia, pay $9,000 in restitution and fines, turn over documents. As of now, Fulton County prosecutors have recommended six years probation. However, Trump co-defendant in the case does not appear in Powell's plea documents, nor has he mentioned, nor was he mentioned in the plea hearing on Thursday. So after 2020 election, Powell had pleaded conspiracy theories about reported fraud and false claims about millions of votes being flipped in a global scheme against Trump that involved Venezuela and other foreign powers. She is now the second person in the racketeering case to plead guilty. The other defendants, including Trump, have pleaded not guilty. That's going to change soon. Fulton County Judge McAfee had repeatedly denied Powell's motions to get the case tossed or at least chip away at some of the most serious accusations, including the alleged RICO violation. His most recent ruling came Wednesday night when he rejected Powell's argument that the indictment violated the First Amendment rights. Insane. Powell admitted taking actions after the 2020 election, quote, for the purpose of willfully tampering with electronic ballot markers and tabulating machines, and quote, with the intention of taking and appropriating information, data, and software, the property of Dominion Voting Systems Corporation, according to the new court filing. So remember, while she was on television, on Fox News in particular, telling the world that Dominion, they engaged in voter fraud, that others engaged in voter tampering and voter meddling. Guess what? She knew that they did it. She also admitted to hiring a data forensics firm and sending its employees where? Coffee County, Georgia. So they could unlawfully access government computers with the purpose of examining personal voter data with knowledge that such examination was without proper authority, according to the filings. Quote, this is a really big breakthrough for the prosecutor, CNN senior legal analyst said along uh, on, on uh, News Central. And it's so important to understand there is no such thing as halfway cooperation. If you're a prosecutor, you would not enter into this deal with Sidney Powell unless you had been thoroughly convinced that A, she is telling the truth. B, she is going to be able to testify for you credibly. And the way that you can put in front of a jury and justify and see she is not going to be splitting hairs. Beautiful. Well done to the prosecutor, Fulton County. Only one other Georgia defendant is mentioned by name in Thursday's plea documents. That's Misty Hampton, who is the Coffee County election supervisor during the 2020 election cycle. Powell admits to entering into a criminal conspiracy with Hampton. And would be required to testify against her if she goes to trial. Hampton has pleaded not guilty to seven felonies. That's going to change soon, is my prediction. Powell 
um, is an unindicted co-conspirator in the federal election case that special counsel Jack Smith has filed against Donald Trump, all right? So she's unindicted, she can't be indicted. Remember, concurrent jurisdiction here. That investigation has still been ongoing in recent months and has been continuing to scrutinize Powell. Additionally, Powell is facing massive defamation lawsuits from two voting technology companies who sued her for falsely accusing them of rigging the 2020 election against Trump. The companies, Dominion Voting Systems and Smartmatic, filed lawsuits in 2021, and the cases are still in pretrial discovery phase. Wow, Donald Trump really has a superpower of making people who at one time had credibility go to zero. I mean, amazing. Jordan, thoughts here? Yeah, all the rats are are jumping ship. It's yep. kind of fun to fun to watch. This is, you know, hopefully a sign of things to come. If others, you know, jump ship or turn on Trump, I think they realize it's it's getting a bit too real now. It's no more just fun and games going on TV to peddle conspiracy theories. Now there's consequences. So you're seeing a totally different tone and tenor from these people. But to bring it back to the beginning of the show. Never really a dull day in Fulton County, Georgia, it seems. There's always something happening there. Uh, plenty of content coming out of Fulton County, Georgia. Uh, <laughs> yes. And to the um, co-conspirators who helped Donald Trump, you all knew y'all went about that life when you decided to jump in it. Now ish got real. All right, Jordan, always good to have you on the show, dear brother. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Of course. Well, thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. Uh, you could check out my podcast, The Insurgents, at insurgentspod.com. Always a pleasure. All right, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Indisputable is still the fastest growing news show in America compared to CNN, Fox News, and 30 other networks. We tell the truth on indisputable because the truth is indisputable. We take time on this show to showcase the temper tantrums of Karens in the wild. We do this not because we want to see people's emotional outbursts in public, but because these incidents are emblematic of a bigger societal issue taking place across the nation, and it has to be checked. My friend, my big homie, attorney at law, Benjamin Crump. I just want to thank you, man. When educated, articulate brothers like yourself speak truth to power, it makes a great difference in changing the landscape in America. Listen, no matter what you do, don't allow the politics of ideology to evaporate the soul that still exists inside of you. They don't stop, I don't stop. Racism won't stop, I won't stop. Systemic bias won't stop, I won't stop. People still need health care, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform, so I won't stop. You won't stop either. 